This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. With another hour of radio drama, this is the Relic Radio Show. Thanks for joining me this Tuesday. We're going to hear first this week from The Whistler. We'll hear Bird of Prey from March 31st, 1948. After that, it's Frontier Gentleman and The Librarian, his story from October 5th, 1958. Whistler. That whistle is your signal for the signal oil program, The Whistler. And I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for the Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. Rated tops in popularity for a longer period of time than any other West Coast program in radio history. And Signal Gasoline is tops, too. Tops in quality. It takes extra quality, you know, to give you extra mileage. And Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. So look for the Signal Circle sign in yellow and black that identifies friendly dealer-owned Signal stations from Canada to Mexico. And now the Whistler's strange story. Bird of Prey. Eddie Smith was pleased, very pleased, and he congratulated himself for the long trip from St. Louis to Havana was about to pay off. It had been quite a task tracking down the elusive, mysterious J.C. Raven, the big question mark of the literary world. Author of a half a dozen bestsellers, the man's true identity had remained a secret over a period of years, a secret that was shared by two men, Raven and his literary agent, Barclay Wells, who was as mysterious as his famous client. Of course, Eddie hadn't caught up with J.C. Raven, not yet. But he'd done the next best thing. He'd finally located Barclay Wells, who at the moment sat in a small, smoke-filled cafe on one of Havana's side streets sipping coffee. His eyes fastened on a slender, dark-haired beauty. Now, look, Mr. Wells, this story means a lot to me. It'll make a great magazine feature. Now, I'm willing to play along with your client's man of mystery routine, and I'll write the story any way you wish. But I... Mr. Wells. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) I'm very sorry, Mr. Smith. Uh, She is attractive, isn't she? Yeah, she? Yeah, the young lady in the floor show. Oh, yes. She reminds me of home and mother. Now, look, Mr. Wells. You and your client have built up a fine gimmick, the mystery angle, I mean, and I wouldn't want to hurt it. If you're worried that my story is going to... Mr. Smith, how did you find me? I own a Ouija board. Do you really? Oh, cut it out, Wells. Cut it out. Now, listen. Why don't you fix up an appointment for me to talk to this guy, Ray? Guy? 
Mr. Smith, has it ever occurred to you that J.C. Raven might be a woman? Sure, sure. I'd kick the idea around, but I won't buy it. Now, take that last novel, uh, Undertow. Could a dame have written it? Undertow? Oh, yeah. Fine book. Yeah. And from what I read in the trade, it's going to be a terrific movie. And I also read that Imperial Studios are paging your boy and waving a big, fat contract if he'll come out of hiding. Very true. We're not interested. Uh, we? My client isn't interested. By the way, Mr. Wells, what are you doing down here in Havana anyway? Business? Uh, yes. Business, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. All the literary agents hang out in Havana. There's nothing to keep an agent in New York, Philadelphia, Boston. Nothing at all. What, uh, what are you driving at, Mr. Smith? Oh, nothing, nothing. But, uh, wouldn't it be funny if you turned out to be J.C. Raven? I? Oh, oh, now, really. I'll tell you what. Uh, suppose you drop around to my apartment tomorrow afternoon. We'll have another little chat, eh? I live in... Yeah, yeah, 36 Plaza del Norte, third floor front. <laughs> Stay around, too? Well, do you mind if I lock, walk along with you to the door? Why should I? Come right along, Mr. Smith. And so you accompany Barkley Wells out of the cafe and into the dark, almost deserted street. At the corner, a man is standing under a streetlight, idly puffing away at a cigarette. But you hardly notice him as you say goodnight to Wells and start away in the opposite direction. Then you hear it, a shout. You break into a run. As you move back past the cafe and round the corner, you see two men struggling in the street. One of them is Wells. Suddenly he falls to the pavement. As the other man wheels around and rushes you, you block the knife. No, you don't. He crumples. Senor, what has happened? I hear a noise. Uh, hold up, I think. This is the guy. I, I knocked him cold. Here, help me with my friend, will you please? Yes, easy now, easy. Wells. Wells. Senor... He's hurt bad. Say, is there a phone around here? See, si, in the shop. There well, is... get a doctor, will you, please? And the police. Si, senor, I will do this. Now, wait a minute. What? Never mind the doctor. Wells is dead. Just call the police for this guy that killed him. You watch the man disappear into the shop to call the police. Then you turn and stare at the lifeless form of Barkley Wells. Or was he really J.C. Raven? There's one way to find out, Eddie. You stand in the shadows and watch the police pick up the killer. Then you slip away. A quarter of an hour later, you arrive at 36 Plaza del Norte and slip into the apartment, third floor front. The first thing you find is a letter, an offer from Marcus Rosamond of Imperial Pictures addressed to J.C. Raven. Then you find it under some penciled notes in a desk drawer. A synopsis. A complete story plot, Eddie, for a brand new J.C. Raven novel. It's all here, Eddie, waiting for someone to write it. And then an idea hits you. The best idea you've ever had in your life. On American Airways. Uh, when's the next plane leaving for Miami? Four o'clock, senor. Well, that'll do. And uh, I'd also like to arrange for a reservation out of Miami. Muy bien, senor. Uh, where to, please? Going west. Los Angeles.
the prologue of Bird of Prey, the Signal Oil Company is bringing you another strange story by The Whistler. But first, friends, a message especially for you drivers who have new cars or expect to be getting one. Just any motor oil won't do, you know, for today's high-efficiency motors. No, sir. They need special protection if they're to give you the long, trouble-free service you have a right to expect. That's why Signal Oil Company brought out Signal Premium Compounded Motor Oil, especially created to give modern motors this extra protection and manufactured under strict laboratory control to ensure a uniform product. The result? Tests prove that this new type Signal Oil actually keeps motors cleaner and reduces wear, assuring you thousands of miles of trouble-free driving pleasure. So if you want to keep the performance of your car young, Make your next oil change a change for the better. Switch to the new type Signal Oil that's your guarantee of a sweeter running motor. Signal Premium Compounded Motor Oil. And now back to the whistler. On your way, on your way to Hollywood, secure in the belief that J.C. Raven, the literary man of mystery, died on a quiet street in Havana. As your plane heads westward, New Orleans, Houston, El Paso, you go over your plans carefully over and over again. You can't miss, can you, Eddie? It's late Thursday afternoon when you arrive in Hollywood and check in at a fashionable hotel. Early the next morning, you walk into the offices of Imperial Studios. Good morning, sir. May I help you? Uh, yes. Edgar Smith to see Mr. Rosen. Do you have an appointment? Appointment? Honey, I don't need it. I'm sorry, sir. My uh, dear girl, apparently you don't read the papers very much, do you? The papers? There was a small box item on the front page of this morning's Hollywood Reporter. What was it about? Why, wait a minute. Then you're... I'm Edgar Smith. And I want to see Mr. Rosen. Now, if I may trouble you for an envelope, I'll uh, just jot down a little note on this letter. Yes, Eddie, she got it. All you have to do is insist that your name is Edgar Smith. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that, is there? You are Edgar Smith. You'd give anything to see the expression of Rosamond's face when he reads the few words you scrawled on the letter. The same letter he'd sent to Barclay Wells, the one you picked up off his desk in Havana the night he was killed. Yes, it'll be a pleasant surprise for Mr. Rosamond. Come in, Mr. Smith. Come in, come in. Thank you. Uh, Florence, tell everybody to go away. I don't want to be interrupted. Go, 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 go. Yes, sir. Ah, uh, Mr. Raven, Mr. Raven, let me look at you. Mm-hmm. Just as I picked. I cannot tell you what a pleasure. I'm indeed delighted. Delighted. Yes, yes. Sit down. Sit down. Well, thanks, Mr. Rosamond. Uh, so, so you are J.C. Raven. J.C. Smith. Edgar Smith. I, I beg your pardon? Oh, of course. Edgar Smith. <laughs> I'm afraid I must insist on <laughs> Of course, Mr. Smith. I'm glad you didn't make it jump, Smith. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. Believe me. Uh, Edgar Smith. Wonderful. Wonderful. 
Now that you are coming to work with us, uh, you, you are coming to work for Imperial, no? If the terms are right. Terms, terms, terms. You, you write your own contract. Anything you want, we'll do. Uh, that is within reason, of course, Mr. Raven. Smith. Edgar Smith. Oh, excuse me. I can't impress this on you too strongly, Mr. Roseman. I'm Edgar Smith, you understand? Yes, yes. On the contract around the studios, Smith. Edgar Smith. Edgar Smith. And uh, no publicity on J.C. Raven. No publicity? No publicity. But, my, my boy, such an opportunity we cannot afford to miss. Why, I So can't... long, Mr. Roseman. No, 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 wait, my boy. Wait. Think of what the publicity is. So long, means. Mr. Roseman. All right, all right. No publicity. No publicity. <laughs> Fine. And now, shall we uh, discuss money, Mr. Roseman? When you leave Rosamond's office an hour later, you congratulate yourself again. Yes, you're in now, Eddie. It's a big step from freelance writing to a movie contract. You've cleared the first hurdle. The rest of the way will be easy. The next day, you settle the matter of the contract with Rosamond over lunch at the Brown Derby. Then there are a few other details that Rosamond handles personally, like your new office and secretary. On Wednesday morning, you meet Miss Corby, your new assistant. Small, slender, mousy, with large brown eyes, a pale, thin face, dull blonde hair trimmed close to the head. Mr. Smith, you can take my word for it. She is the finest girl in the building. Knows the industry better than I do. Oh, I, I wouldn't say that, Mr. Rosemary. A jewel, Mr. Smith, a veritable jewel. She'll be a great help. With her, you'll turn out some great stories for Imperial. It's Veronica. She's a genius. Take my word for it. I'm sure he is, Mr. Rosemary. <laughs> Mr. Smith, take my advice and listen to Veronica. She'll save you a lot of time and trouble. Take Slauson, Perry, Hexton, the other writers. She taught them everything they know about pictures. Mm-hmm. A jewel. You listen to her. <laughs> Well, thanks, Mr. Roseman. I'm sure we'll get along. Well, shall we go, Mr. Corby? And this is your office, Mr. Smith. How do you like it? Oh, it'll do. But where's the trout stream? Oh, well, um, whenever you're ready, I'll be glad to take you around the studio. You'll... What immediately uh, time it... enough for that, Miss Corby. Right now, I'm more interested in getting to work. I have an idea for a story I want to get down on paper as soon as possible. Well, yes, but I... Now, you just park yourself out there in your little office like a good little girl and see that I'm not disturbed. Very well, Mr. Smith. And so you get to work on your first story for Imperial Studios, the Raven original you picked up in Havana. You can't take any chances, can you, Eddie? The first story has to knock them cold. So in the days, the weeks that follow, you write and rewrite. While Miss Corby, with that hurt expression in her eyes, sits quietly in her office just outside your door. Only once do you change the Raven storyline, and that's to alter the ending. You like yours better than Raven. Yes, it sounds much better your way. Finally, you turn the script over to Miss Corby. Well, there you are, Miss Corby. Now, if you'll retype this for me. Yes, Mr. Smith. And when you're finished, put a copy on my desk and send one around to Rosamond. If, uh, if you want me for anything, I'll be home sleeping the clock around. Okay? Very well. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. Cheer up, sweetheart. 
I leave the script to your tender mercies and to Rosamund. Oh, Mr. Rosamond, come in, come in. I was just about to run up Me to your office to... Me, touch me, touch me. Wonderful, wonderful. I've just finished reading The House in the Swamp. Wonderful. The, the same ingenious touch, the, the, the same masterful approach of undertow. Better even, better than undertow. Well, thanks, Mr. Rosamond. There I, uh, uh, a few technical matters, but uh, Verona can help you out. But the storyline, wonderful. Uh, Mr. Smith, Eddie, you know something? What's that, Mr. Rosamond? For a little while, I, I was not sure. As I read your story, I, I was a little afraid. Afraid? Oh, ridiculous, of course. I, I should have known. Forget it. Oh, no, 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 no. What do you mean? Well, halfway through the story, I I saw the end. I, I was a little afraid it would turn out that way. It was the way our hundred-dollar-a-week writers would end it, but no. The way you handle it, my boy, wonderful. A complete twist. The touch of a mess. Well, you really like the way I paid it off, huh? I can see it now. That scene between the old man and the little girl what? at the edge of the swamp. What? The, the old man and the little... Yes, yes. The confession. Beautifully written. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Beautiful. You mean that's uh, that's the way that... The, the... What's the matter? Oh. Oh, nothing, Mr. Rosenman. Uh, nothing. Rosenman continues to rave about the story. But you're not listening, are you, Eddie? A thousand and one thoughts, confused thoughts, are racing through your mind. The minute Rosamond leaves, you pick up the script and thumb through the neatly typed pages. This isn't the way you finish the story, is it, Eddie? No. This is the original ending, the way J.C. Raven had written it. The story. What happened to it? Who changed it? I, I did. You did? Well, I felt sure Mr. Roseman wouldn't like it the way you ended the story, so... So I, I changed it. Oh, I see. I, I wanted you to make good on the first story after... the risks you've taken. Risk? What do you mean? You told Mr. Roseman you were J.C. Raven and... How did you... Mean to give it away, it, it, it sort of slipped out. I won't tell anyone, Mr. Smith. I, I won't tell anyone you're not J.C. Raven. Keep talking, sweetheart. You, you couldn't be J.C. Raven. Then who is? I am. What? You're, you're, you're wondering about Barclay Wells, aren't you? I could use a few answers. You remember the day you came here? Mr. Roseman mentioned several writers I'd worked with. Hegstrom, Slauson. Barclay Wells worked here, too. He was a fine person. Kind and thoughtful. He didn't treat me like the others. When I was with him, I, I felt like I belonged. I was somebody. Not, not just part of the office furniture. I guess he's the only man who ever paid any attention to me. The only man who ever knew I existed. Sorry, Mr. Beach. Uh, about Wells. Well, you see, I, I, I've always wanted to write. And at the start, well, I, I'm afraid publishers weren't impressed. And then I hit on the idea of creating the, the mystery author. And somebody had the front for you, so you picked Wells. Well, yes, he was the only man I could trust. I sent him stories, 
outline. We worked on the Raven novels together. I see. Oh, that's that. Uh, Miss Corby. Veronica. Yeah? About J.C. Raven. Where do we stand right now? We... We could go on just as we have been. You... You'd help me? Yes. You're sure you want it this way? I... I'd like to keep it this way. Very much, Teddy. You know something, sweetheart? We're going to get along fine. Just fine. In the weeks that follow, you spend quite a bit of time with Veronica outside of office hours. Concerts, the supper club, weekends at Palm Springs, the races. It's the smart thing to do, isn't it, Eddie? Yes. You've got to put up with her if you're to continue as J.C. Raven. You can stand dull little Veronica for two years or so, and then you'll have enough money set aside to quit. Quit Imperial Studios and walk out on Veronica Corby. So your plan rolls along smoothly until that Saturday, the day you're taking her for a drive. You sit in the living room waiting for Veronica to finish dressing when the phone rings. Hello. This is Lieutenant Driscoll, Los Angeles Police. I'd like to speak with Miss Corby. Veronica Corby. Hello? I'm sorry, she's not in. Oh? When do you expect her? It's hard to say. Who was that, Eddie? Oh, what? I said, who was that? Oh, oh, the wrong number, darling. I, I couldn't understand what the guy was talking about. Oh. Well, I'm ready. Shall we go? Eddie. Yeah? Um, I've been wondering. Uh, maybe I shouldn't bring it up now, but... What's on your mind? What, um... What really happened in Havana the night Barclay Wells was killed? Why do you ask that? Well, I... I just wanted to know that the papers didn't have much information to the give. The papers? I didn't see anything about it in the papers. Oh, it was there. The, the Havana police arrested a man named Emilio Vasquez, but... He denies doing the killing. Well, he would, wouldn't he? I suppose. But a native who lived in the neighborhood said there was someone else at the scene of the crime. They seem to think this unidentified man may have done the killing. They do? And what do you think, Veronica? Me? Oh, I haven't the slightest idea. <laughs> It all begins to add up now, doesn't it, Eddie? Veronica's been stringing you right along, keeping you around until she can turn you over to the police for a crime you didn't commit. She must have been in love with Wells, and now she thinks you killed him. You had the motive. She'd tell them how you came to Imperial Studios, posing as J.C. Raven. She'll tell them you broke into Raven's apartment, stole the letter, the storyline. And if Vasquez sticks to his story, he'll get away with it, and you'll hang.
there isn't any doubt in your mind what Veronica's little game is. And the clincher comes that afternoon as you start to leave your office. You hear Veronica talking to someone on the phone. Yes, Lieutenant. Barclay Wells was a close friend of mine. Yes. Well, I, I'm not sure. That's why I... Yes. Yes, all right. I'll be there first thing in the morning. I'll, I'll tell you everything then. Oh, yes, Eddie? Uh, Veronica, darling, let's quit for the day, huh? Oh, I, I, I still have some typing to do. And... Oh, let it go. Look, look, why don't we run up to the Sunset Strip for a couple of drinks and an early dinner, huh? All right, Eddie. It's shortly after 7.30 that evening when you drop Veronica off in front of her apartment. After you say goodnight... And watch Veronica go up the steps. You drive around the block and slip into the darkened alley running along the back of the apartment building. A few minutes later, you hurry into the rear entrance and dash up the stairs. You've got to silence Veronica before she gets a chance to talk with a police lieutenant. What? Why, Eddie? Aren't you going to ask me in? Oh, yes. Come in. Is, is something the matter? You're a smart cookie. Don't you know? Oh, what are you talking about? Uh, oh, Eddie, let go. You're, you're hurting me. Oh, Eddie, what are you doing? I'm going to kill you, Veronica. The Whistler will return in just a moment with a strange ending to tonight's story. Meantime, let me give you a clue toward solving another mystery. How to make today's shrinking dollars buy more value. When it comes to your gasoline dollars, if you want to be sure you're choosing the gasoline that gives you the very maximum in performance and mileage, there are just two things to remember. One, in gasoline, it takes extra quality to go farther. And two, signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. Yes, it's a fact. Your best yardstick of gasoline quality is mileage, the thing Signal Gasoline is famous for. After all, in order for a gasoline to give you more miles per gallon, it has to help your motor run more efficiently. And when your motor runs efficiently, naturally you enjoy quicker starting, faster pickup, smoother knock-free power. In other words, the superior performance you expect of a superior quality gasoline. That's why we say, to be sure of the tops in gasoline quality, there are just two things to remember. One, in gasoline, it takes extra quality to go farther. And two, signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. And now, back to the whistler. It's all over very quickly, isn't it, Eddie? Too bad Veronica won't be able to keep her appointment with the police lieutenant in the morning. No, she's dead. You glance at your watch, 7.45, then you start for the door. Miss Corby? Miss Corby? It's Mrs. Ellison, the house manager. You can get rid of her easily enough, can't you, Eddie? Quickly, you drag Veronica's body behind the Davenport, then you open the door. Yes, it's Mrs. Ellison, all right. Oh, Mrs. Smith. Is Miss Corby in? These officers want to see her. Mrs. Smith? Uh, no, uh, that is, she. Uh, she's not feeling very well. That's so? Too bad. My name's Driscoll, L.A. Police. I talked to her on the phone this afternoon. 
It was routine business then. It isn't anymore. Uh, but you can't see her now. I it's told you... It's important, friend. Two hours ago, we received a wire from the Havana police about the murder of Barclay Wells. Seems he wrote novels under the name of uh, J.C. Raven. Well, look, I... It also seems he had an assistant. The assistant got a little greedy and decided to take over in place of Raven. What? This morning in Havana, a killer named Emilio Vasquez confessed to the murder of Wells. Or Raven, or whatever you want to call him. Confessed he was hired to bump off Raven for 5,000 bucks. Says he was paid off by the dame that lives here, Veronica Corby. Let that whistle be your signal for the signal oil program, The Whistler, each Wednesday night at this same time. Brought to you by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of signal gasoline and motor oil, and fine quality automotive accessories. Signal has asked me to remind you, to get the most driving pleasure, drive at sensible speeds, be courteous, and obey traffic regulations. It may save a life, possibly your own. Featured in tonight's story were Wally Mayer and Sarah Selby. The Whistler was produced by George W. Allen with story by George and Gertrude Fass and music by Wilbur Hatch and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Next Wednesday, for a full hour of mystery over most of these stations, tune in a half hour earlier. Enjoy The Saint as well as The Whistler. This is Marvin Miller speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Last week, I reported an incident involving a gold mining claim. This is the story of an altogether different type of claim. Frontier Gentlemen. Here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. In just a moment, we will bring you this latest report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Like a season ticket to the ballpark, CBS News admits you to every major event going on. Regular features like our World News Roundup, broadcast seven mornings a week on most of these same stations, make you spectator to the most spectacular events of our time. They take you right to where the news is happening, let you learn the details from experts who've watched the news develop. Every morning on CBS Radio, join CBS News correspondents on the World News Roundup for reports from the major news centers of the world. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman.
On the western shore of the Missouri River in Dakota Territory is a town called Fort Pier. Across the river, a tiny wood frame extension of Fort Pier called simply Pier. But it is here that the United States government has established a land office. And it was here that I journeyed in search of a story on homesteaders. The land office was closed, but a local citizen told me I might find homesteaders some 25 miles east of there. Instead, there was only desolation. And I was turning my horse for the trip back to Pier when the afternoon air was shattered by an exchange of gun punts. Riding towards a puff of smoke that rose from a dry wash some distance away, I found a woman who appeared to be in her middle thirties busily firing a rifle at a shack that stood some hundred yards beyond me. You need help. Don't come any closer, mister. Uh, I'm not going to harm you. I said don't come any closer, I'll shoot. I'm sure you would, but you'd be making a mistake. Are you with him? I assume you're talking about the party you're shooting at in the cabin? No, I assure you I'm not with him. It's a trick. You're on his side. No, I happened to be in the area, heard the gunshots, and came over to investigate. You sure? I'm sure... Convinced? Almost got you, didn't he? Had to keep that long neck of yours down. But I'm not taking this rifle off you till I know who you are. What's your name? J.B. Kendall. What are you doing around here? Uh, I'm a writer. Mister, do you think I'm just fooling with you? No, 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 not at all. I am a writer. I, I write for the London Times. I'm a correspondent. No, you don't. Keep your hands where I can see them. Miss, please believe me. If I could be of help, I want to, but a shotgun interrogation is hardly to my liking. Do you want to tell me what this is all about? I don't trust you. I'm not used to this kind of thing. People out here. Something tells me Dakota Territory is a good deal west of your home. My husband died in Massachusetts. I've just come from there. I'm sorry. You haven't told me your name. This is James Danworthy, Elmira Danworthy. Mr. Danworthy? What, what are you doing out here, besides trying to kill somebody? Not a joking matter, Mr. Kennedy. No, I didn't My mean... husband and I came west almost a year ago. We'd seen one of those advertisements in the eastern papers. They're cheats. Advertising towns in the west that don't even exist. Yes, I've heard it of that. It took all our money, which wasn't much. He'd been a soldier four years of war and several years after, and I was a librarian in Boston. I was 30 when I married him. I'd waited a long time for him to get his fill of the army. Then we came west, and nothing worked out. We'd paid for a house and lot in a town that didn't even exist. That was in Kansas. Well, how did you happen to come to Dakota? We wanted to get out of Kansas. We heard about this homestead land here. Kind of dry sometimes, but we liked it. I guess because we could have it. We preempted it right away and... Preempted? What? If you're 21, a citizen. Haven't borne arms against the United States, you can have 160 acres. And you've got 160 acres? If I'm living there a week from now, I have. Oh? What do you mean? You get six months to prove up on your land. Jim took sick. We had three months more to go. I took him back to Massachusetts, but it was too late. He died there. Oh, now you're back and somebody has moved in on your claim, is that it? 
Yes. I have to be living here or I lose it. I see. Do you know who the man is? No. I just got here today. He chased me away. Said it was his place. Have you talked to him? No. Just shooting at him? Yes. He came out several times, but I couldn't hit him. I'd kill him if I could. Jim and I worked hard for this. Why did you come back? It was to be our home. Now it... It was mine. It's still yours. What are you going to do? Well, first take that rifle. You're with him. You are. No. It's been a trick the whole time. All of this No, no. Now listen to me. I'm going up and talk to him. Get down. Look out. You're not fooling me. You're just doing that. Trying to make me think he's shooting at you. You're together, stealing my land. Get me that rifle. I'll kill you for tricking me. Wait. I'm going up there. I'll talk to him. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. I'll kill you. Both of you. It's the last thing I do. It's the smoke which comes through the filter that counts. Yes, in a filter cigarette, it's the smoke which comes through the filter that counts. The P. Lorillard Company, makers of Kent, learned that fact a long time ago. That's why research played such an important role in the development of Kent cigarettes and Kent's exclusive Micronite filter. And today, as before, you get less tars and nicotine in the smoke of Kent than in any other leading filter cigarette in America. That's the reason behind Kent's famous statement. Of all leading filter cigarettes, Kent filters best. Try Kent today. Regular, king-size, or crush-proof box. It makes good sense to smoke Kent and good smoking, too. A product of P. Laurelard Company, first with the finest cigarettes through Laurelard Research. And remember, it's the smoke which comes through the filter that counts. walked toward the cabin. At any moment, I expected gunfire, but nothing happened. I was such an obvious target that my hidden adversary must have been curious as to my intent. It was with a feeling of relief that I finally confronted this stranger in the cabin, a young man, but haggard and hungry-looking. He stood in the doorway and waggled a long rifle barrel at me. I got me a brave Yankee. Just dying to walk right down this squirrel gun. All right, stop in your track, Jack. You move that rifle, you're in one inch, I'll blow your ears out. I have no quarrel with you. Hoo-wee, why, that ain't even a Yankee. Throw down that rifle. No. I came to talk, not give up my gun. I told you, I have no quarrel with you. I can shoot you down right now. You could. Then you'd never know what I have to say. Mister, you got a lot of nerve walking up here. No more than you have, taking over the lady's claim. That's what you want to say? You come here to say that? I'm asking you to leave. You got any shuck on you? Shuck? 
Cigarette makers. You got any? Yes. Hand them over. <laughs> Is that an order or a request? I'm telling you. Did it occur to you that I may not like to take orders? That my rifle is covering you at this point? <laughs> Mister, I've had every rifle in the Yankee army on me one time or another. It don't make no do to me. Give me the makings, if you can spare it. All right. Yeah, catch. You're pretty shaky, aren't you? You've been ill? No. No, I ain't sick. The war left me that. Who's that lady? Your wife? No, just a friend. You better tell her to leave me alone. I could kill her easy, but I soon not. Look, you seem like a decent sort. Why don't you saddle up and ride on? This lady is a widow. She and her husband built this place. Mister, now you get this and you get it straight. I spent four years shopping in my eye on Yankees during the war. Now it's over, and we're all supposed to be friends again. But it don't work that way, see? Now, I've had a saddle thrown on me in every town west of the Mississippi and north of Arkansas. I got a hole in my neck to chase the plow. But the Yankees won't let me have no land legal-like. So I found this one, and I'm taking it. You hear me? Then you'd rather steal this land from a widow. Yankees the best widow-makers I know, mister. The war is over. Is it? Not much. Go on. Leave me be. Go on, get out of here. You are sick, aren't you? Leave me be, I said. Now get. Next time you come back, I'll kill you. I never expected you to come back. Did you really think I was in partnership to steal your property? I don't know. I saw you talking to him. I thought... I understand. Who is he? War-sick Confederate soldier. Can we get him out? I don't want to shoot him. He's had enough of that. We'll go to the land office and pier. They'll see you get it back legally. Good morning, folks. Good morning. I'm Mr. Kendall, and this now, is... Now, now, don't tell me, don't tell me. This is the charming Mrs. Kendall. <laughs> no, this is Mrs. Danworthy. Mrs. Danworthy. Bartley Quill, United States Land Agent Par Excellence, your humble servant, madam. Yes. How do you do, Mr. Quill? Now, you folks are desirous of locating a nice homestead in the area, is that correct? Uh, no, Mr. It will Quill. cost you 50 cents. I shall have my assistant, Mr. Todd, bring forward the necessary papers. If you can't read, I'll help you, Mr. Todd. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Quill, please listen. Your servant, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, then? Um, yes, well, Mrs. Danworthy and her late husband already have a homestead claim some 25 miles east of here. Oh, a widow... Madam, I am sorry. Mr. Todd, never mind. Yes, sir. Mr. Kendall, maybe I'd better work this out my own way. Work what out, madam? There's a claim jumper on my property. Claim jumper? In 
You mean some foul citizen has moved onto your land? Worse, into the cabin. He's taken it over. And you want him out, of course. Of course. We thought maybe you could advise No. Him. No. As government land agent, I am not allowed to advise in these matters. Oh, I see. What you need is a land attorney, a person familiar with the law. I guess not only familiar with it, but uh, conversant and persuasive. May I ask, uh, are you allowed to recommend such a person? Oh, yes, indeed, indeed. Madam, your worries are over. The land attorney, Mr. Quill, you were about... Fortunately, sir, there is one in these parts, but only one. His name? Bartley Wilkinson Quill, attorney at law, Yale 54. Yes, of course, I should have known. All right, uh, what can you do? In time, good sir, in time. Mr. Todd, bring me my book covering claim jumpers. What? I don't understand. There's, there's no book with... Oh, Todd! Pardon, sir, for the stupidity of my assistant. Stupidity is the problem these days. All phases of government. Well, now, I wouldn't... Uh... You found it, of course, Todd. Yes, sir. Is, is this it? Mr. Quill, I... Mrs. Danworthy hardly has the time for such legal work as you apparently intend to do. But a matter of weeks, Kendall, have him out in no time. Yes, that's, that's just it. What is? She has less than a week in which to be living on her land. No, it has to be done quickly, now. A widow, you say? Yes. Now, madam, there will doubtless be many legal affairs of another nature to be taken care of. Wills, estate settlements, affairs in the East, Batan. Mr. Quill, it is not necessary to hang your shingle on Mrs. Dunworthy's door. Nor should one hide under a bushel, my dear sir. Not a chance, Mr. Quill. Sir? Thank you, Mr. Quill. You've been most uh, entertaining, but the lady needs more instantaneous help. Do I detect a reflection of... what you will. Good day. Uh, Just a moment, sir. I perceive that this is a matter for the sheriff. You? Your servant, sir. I'll get up a posse. Isn't that proper? A posse, Mr. Kendall. And we'll go hang the man. Life may be real, but it isn't always earnest. Matter of fact, it's anything but sober, serious, or stern when Amos and Andy are here on CBS Radio in their music hall. The latest popular recordings and the irrepressible high spirits of Amos and Andy make fun a matter of course six times a week when they visit you on most of these same stations. How about it? Each Monday through Friday evening and every Saturday in the daytime, join the fun on CBS Radio's Amos and Andy Music Hall. Not knowing how long Mr. Quill would take to organize his posse, I insisted Mrs. Danworthy engage a hotel room to rest. Then I went out and watched the tiny town of Pier come alive with excitement as Mr. Quill spread the word that help was needed. By noon, twenty men with horses were lounging about the land office waiting for Mr. Quill, whom I knew to be inside with his books, looking up the proper procedure for handling a posse. I felt it was a good opportunity for me to tell the men my feelings in regard to the man in the cabin. Least of all, did I want him hanged. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, your attention, please. Thank you. Uh, gentlemen, as you may or may not know, I am Mr. Kendall. It was I who brought Mrs. Danworthy to town for help. Oh, gee, we don't know nothing about this, just that the old man needed a pot. Oh, I see. Well, 
Some of you may remember Mrs. Danworthy. No, I don't. She and her husband homesteaded 25 miles from here. They took a trip back east and her husband died. Now she's come back to find a claim jumper on her place. We know how to take care of them. No, 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 please. That's exactly what we don't want. Now, I've talked to this man. He is dangerous in his present frame of mind. I suggest that we proceed with caution, but I also insist that we do not kill the man. I've heard that you sometimes let claim jumpers swim across the river. Is that right? Yeah, funny thing, though. Ain't no record of one of them ever reaching other side, is it, boys? <laughs> now, just, just a moment. Now, I'm not suggesting that, either. Well, what do you want us to do with him? Kiss him and put him to bed? <laughs> if you'll just... Gentlemen, please. Please, gentlemen. If you'll just help me to catch him without harm. Now, what he's doing isn't fair to Mrs. Danworthy, and he must be removed, but killing him is not the answer. Well, I don't know how you're going to get rid of him otherwise. No ah, way. yes. There you are, boys. Uh, uh, well, everybody ready? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. I've been reading up on it, boys. I found out one thing. Yeah, what's that, Quill? It's no good without a rope. Yeah! It was after the men had ridden out of town toward the homestead that I discovered Mrs. Danworthy had disappeared. She had not lain in her bed at the hotel, and no one had any idea where she might have gone. Her wagon and horse were missing. I rode as fast as I could, but I was too late. The posse had arrived just ahead of me. Quill, just a moment. Mrs. Danworthy, have you or any of your men seen her? It doesn't make any difference, Kendall. Legally, the owner needn't be here. Mr. Quill, will you stop harping on the legal aspects of a hanging? You can't do this thing. I won't let you. Maybe Mrs. Danworthy is giving up the land. Well, we'll just move in on that jumper anyway, Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> one of you men off my property. Right now. Now get. Widow Danworthy, it's your friend, Mr. Quill, the attorney. Mr. Quill, I'm asking you to leave. But what about the claim jumper? We rode a long way for him. He's gone. Came back here this morning and he was gone. You'll remember me now, won't you, Mrs. Danworthy? Anytime you have any legal problems, why I'll be... I'll be obliged if you get off my property. Yes, ma'am. All right. We're going. Mr. Kendall. Yes? Would you come here, please? Yes. I'd like to thank you for trying to help me. It's all right. There's something I want to know. Yes. Did you come back to kill him? Yes. But why? We'd have got rid of him for you. Because I didn't want that kind of help. If it was to come to that, it was my fight. And he was sick. He didn't deserve to be killed. Mr. Kendall. I didn't tell you why my husband died. It was this land. A man never worked so hard. But it killed him. No, I just couldn't let a stranger have it, could I? 
Where did you put his body? I didn't kill him, Mr. Kendall. He's inside. He doesn't know it, but he's dying of fever. He told me it first came on him in the war. Does he know you came back to kill him? No. He was helpless when I... when I found it. He thinks I came back because you told me he was sick. No. He doesn't know. I stayed there two days. Almira Danworthy nursed him to the end, and he died, blessing her name. Frontier Gentlemen was produced and directed by Anthony Ellis. Tonight's script was written by Tom Hanley and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Virginia Gregg, Eddie Firestone, Richard Perkins, and Charles Seal. Join us again next week for another report from the Frontier Gentlemen. Bud Sewell speaking. radio show for this week you can find more from the whistler frontier gentlemen this podcast and all of the others at relicradio.com there's a lot to listen to on the website all for free thanks to your support if you'd like to help out visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website i can't do it without your support thank you to those who have supported us over the years thanks for joining me today be back tomorrow with case closed and next tuesday with another episode of the relic radio show